time to talk West Virginia basketball. Coming from the Stone Church Studio in St. Albans, West Virginia, this is the Full Court Press. And we're back on Full Court Press. Michael Sussman here with Anthony Lewis to my right and joining us in studio, Coach Bob Huggins. Uh, Coach, got to take you out on the town a little bit today. Uh, how was your afternoon and just how you been? Afternoon was really good. Ride down was good. Right. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you can ask for. Uh, WVU basketball-wise, four and five at this point. You, you split against Pitt and Drexel, uh, but ding-dong, the band's over. Kirk Reese is coming back. What can fans expect in this Arizona transfer that comes in, and just what were your thoughts? What drew you to Kerr? Well, he can one, he can make shots, and two, he really passes the ball. He's got, he's got great court awareness. Uh, his, his father was a great player, not a good one, but a great one in – in Europe, all around Europe, and um, was, I, I, I think, renowned as a point guard, and and I and I think Kerr is uh, watching watch. I watched film obviously before before he came with us, and and uh, he really passes the ball, sees the floor. I think I think that's something that is getting uh, less and less and less uh, uh, done by people with the ball. Yeah, how much does that free you up as a coach when you know your floor general is out there? Depends on which one it is. (laughs) Van Exel. I never knew what Nick was going to do. I mean, Nick could really pass the ball and did pass the ball, and he was a great teammate, but you never knew what he was going to do. I mean, he had that thing going everywhere. And he was he was terrific at I'm going over here. So he'd go over there and they'd jump over there and then he'd come back and they'd jump back and then he'd fake like he was gonna go that way and he'd go that way and they were standing there like where did he go? And he was gone. He was uh his 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 footwork was just absolutely phenomenal. And he had he had great vision and he was he he had no problem sharing the ball, which you don't think, you know, you recruit a guy coming out of junior college, it's averaging almost 30 a game, and you figure he's going to shoot it every time. You know, and we had we had some conversations about that, but he, he didn't, you know. He was a great teammate. Also, with Kirsa coming back, they cleared a cook a cook. I know you didn't recruit him, but you've coached against him. Um, what do you see from him, and how, how do you think, West, once he gets in shape, that's going to be his issue now, but what can what? How can he help West Virginia? Do you think he can drag bigs away from the goal? Mm-hmm. I think I think that's the biggest attribute he has right now is he can drag bigs away from the goal and they have to go out and guard him. You know, you can't stand in the lane and hope he misses. He, he's he's really a good perimeter shooter, and I think he's a I think he's a better offensive rebounder than he is a defensive rebounder. He's got a a really good knack of seeing a ball. You know, going at the rim and figuring out where it's going to come off. In some ways, I feel like the season starts now. You've got the full complement, at least at this point. We'll have Patrick Morrissey on later to talk about the Raekwon battle eligibility situation. Uh, But you square off against Frank Martin and UMass on Saturday, somebody that you coached with at Cincinnati and at K-State, and one of your best friends. What's what's your relationship like with Frank? That's great. Uh, Frank Frank and I talk often. Um... 
Frank, Frank was a high school coach. I went down to recruit his guys. That's how I got to know Frank. And then, you know, we just kept, you know, getting together more and more and more and um, took him to Cincinnati and, and uh, did a great job for me at Cincinnati. Went to K-State, did a great job at K-State. Uh, and, and just Frank, Frank had a great way with people. And and uh, had a great basketball upside, I think. And and he's a he was a tough guy. He's a tough guy. He's a you know he's a Miami guy. He's he's a he's a tough guy. And and I'd like having guys there that you know we could we could kind of control what happened. Uh, and I had Andy Kennedy as well, who's who's the head coach at UAB. So I I have two guys that are coaching at major colleges and 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 played uh, for me or uh, I'll say under I hate to say <laughs> under don't sound right no but, they, the, but they played they played with me. Uh, Michael mentioned Patrick Morrissey being on the show later on. We're going to talk to him about Raekwon Battles case. Um, you recruited him. You've mentioned before the quality kid that he is. I mean, when you sit back and look at this situation, I mean, how does it make you feel, and, and what do you hope transpires this week? Well, it's a shame. It's a shame, but the reality of it is um, the longer this drags out, I, I think the more and more that he should redshirt. And then that way, he would have another year of eligibility, either at, at WVU or wherever else he would he would want to go. They're they're cheating him out of a year, is what they're doing. Do you think he'd have more of a shot to put good things on tape and and put up stats for a professional career with one more year? It, it, it depends on how long this drags out. Uh, I mean, if if there's not enough to, to to put on tape, and it's you know, and and it's not a highlight tape. I mean, that's that's about what it would end up being, a highlight tape. And they don't care about highlight tapes. We don't care about highlight tapes. We get highlight tapes from high school kids. You say, oh, okay, and you know, it's. I mean, anybody can put three things on a tape that you know looked wow, look at that, and but that's the only three things they can do. They're not dumb. I mean, NBA guys are—they're pretty astute. So the longer it goes, the longer it goes, the more the, the more he's hurt. And so, in, in in my mind, why would you go play three or four games or whatever when you can come back and play a full season if you want to, or or if if that's the case and you feel um, that you're ready to go to the NBA, why not leave? Think, I mean. You think something should a move should be made before conference play? I mean, here we are, in the middle of December, before conference play, a week. Like, what's what do you think the drop dead time is on that? That depends. Yeah. I mean that 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 depends. I think it's going to be much harder the longer it goes, mm-hmm. and so now you get into you get into the new conference thing, and now you're going to. You know, you, you so you go in and you practice uh, all your man-to-man offensive stuff, and everybody comes out and throws out a a, a one-two-two or a two-three or a one-three-one or 
whatever, and or 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 they press, they full court press. I just I just watched a game last night, uh, Rick Pitino. They they pressed, they pressed full court. That's right. Coach Hugs on full court press. Unfortunately, a bit up against the clock here. We got to go to a quick break. Back after this. Little General Stores has served our hometowns for decades, providing those essential needs for the road of life. The LG family goes above and beyond to ensure that your experience is an easy one. That's why they offer the LG Rewards Card, a way to earn points for free drinks, coffee, and even discounts on fuel. Rest assured, you'll leave knowing they have your needs covered. Oh, and by the way, tell them Hug sent you. Little General Stores, your road's neighbor. It's time for Full Court Press, the bonus version brought to you by Little General. We've got Coach Huggins here in studio with us. Coach, we're, we're fans of all sports here, and last week, it, it, big news broke, the college football playoff controversy leaving out Florida State, who probably would have been in had their quarterback Jordan Travis not gotten injured earlier in the season. From time to time, this can happen in basketball, too, down the stretch. Have you been in a situation as a coach where an injury to one of your teams affected how the committee seated you? Absolutely. What year? Uh, I was, we, were number, we were supposed to be number one. We were supposed to be the number one seed. And we're playing in a conference tournament, playing St. Louis, cross screen, down screen, Kenyon, Takes just a couple steps from uh, the top of the key, little just right inside the foul line. The cross screen, uh, back it was the cross screen, back screen, and the back screen came and uh, guy got tripped or stumbled, fell, whatever, and fell right into Kenyon and broke his leg. That's the number one player in the country, the number one pick in the NBA draft, and we're still going to the NCAA tournament, but. And he's going, but I used to tell him all the time because he was constantly like pulling on my shirt or tapping on me and handing me a glass of water, you know, because I'm I'm a, I'm trying to coach, trying to, and he's coach you need to hand me a glass of water. I, <laughs> so I told I told him after the game, I said, you know, you got to be the tallest uh, water boy in the history of water boys. <laughs> when so when the seeding came around, you should have been the overall number one pick or number one seed that season. You drop to number two. What when you see it? When you obviously probably had the guys together. You're watching it on CBS. When you see that you're not the number one pick, what's that initial reaction? Uh, were you expecting it? No. No, because we were still really, really good. Um, no, we weren't. We weren't expecting. It. We didn't think that would they would they would take that away from us. Do you think it's fair when, okay, maybe a team's not at full strength compared to the beginning of the season, but should the NCAA take that into account, or, or should it just be the resume in situations like this? I think resume and best are the same thing, but clearly the college football playoff committee did not agree. No, re- resume and best aren't. You don't think so? No. No, because generally as the season goes, you get better and better and better. And, 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 you know, back to the Kenyon thing, what what j- just made – I mean, you know, we all teared up. Everybody in the bus teared up. We're coming from the airport up the hill, going across the bridge, up the hill. The, the, the bridge has a big sheet, thanks for – his number was four. Thanks for 
the memories like he was never coming back and obviously we all know he did come back he did come back and played all those years in the NBA because he's he's such a I mean he's a tough guy he's a tough dude but um yeah I mean it's it's uh it's not an easy job I I think the selection committee uh they have their their work cut out for them and some some are really really good because they're basketball people some committees are horrible because they know nothing about basketball, and then you have that mix of the ones that do and the ones that don't. So you never get the same thing. Like, you can't sit there and, like, everybody always says, where do you think you're going to be? Where do you think you're going to be? Well, how do you know how where you're going to be? Because you don't, you don't know the people on the committee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, when I saw that happen to Florida State last week, it, I mean, I instantly flashed back to your situation with Kenyon and, kind of getting snubbed there. I mean, was it was it one of those things, because I've been around teams that were supposed to go to being picked to play in the Gator Bowl and they end up in the Tire Bowl and they're not excited about being in Charlotte. Was it one of those things where they weren't excited about being a two or did it motivate them a little bit going into the tournament? I, I would like to say yes, but the, the reality of it is when – Kenyon broke his leg, and when Kenyon has a walker and Kenyon's on a walker, everybody's everybody just sunk. Mm-hmm. Everybody just sunk. And we were not, we were not the same team uh, to a large degree because we didn't have him, but also because they just kept looking over there and he was, he was sitting there. And, and it, it just took the life out of everybody. And we're, so we go across the bridge, we're coming up this hill, and just about every house hanging in a tree, hanging up on the porch, thanks for the memories with a four, which I think made him feel a little bit better, but it's never going to get, I mean, and, and to this day, you know, he'll say to me, you know, we'd have won that. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't going to let us lose. I know, big fella. I, I know. And and I believe to this day there'd be a banner hanging in Shoemaker Center that said national champions. Who do you think would have been the biggest challenger that particular season? There wasn't any. <laughs> it was wide open. Nope. <clears throat> there wasn't any. I had four first-round picks. Four. That's never been done, may never be done again. Let's switch topics a little bit. As we move into the holiday season – I know you got to go down to Del Barton this weekend with Johnny. Johnny C and the gang. Great time. Rocking your Mingo Central basketball pullover. Honorary. I wanted you to see that. Honorary coach. <laughs> what was the trip like? What, what went down this weekend? The trip was long. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a journey, man. The trip was long. But but getting there, wow. People were fantastic. Yeah, I mean every everywhere you went they had I mean, they were ready. They were ready to go, and and it was it was a toy drive. We were giving toys away to to young people, and had a great dinner, uh, fabulous dinner. And we, I was, I'd never been to Del Barton. I've been around Del Barton to other places, but I'd never been to Del Barton. And I was, I was blown away at the downtown. I mean, there's a there's a. I grew up in a town of 500 people to stop place nine bars. We didn't have a downtown, unless you count the bars, I guess. 
but um it was it was it was fantastic the town is so clean so nice the people are wonderful just absolutely wonderful people and they came out in droves i mean just pe- people coming one after another after another and bringing kids and and saturday they're going to finish the, the the toy drive and and pass out uh, toys on on saturday to to young people and uh I, I I tell you, it was it was one of the the neatest things that I've experienced, in all honesty. No, it's although I'd rather you be coaching currently. I think this is like an event like that, and you've been out historically throughout your career and your time back here, in West Virginia. You've you you've been out in the community, and I think maybe that those type of opportunities maybe you you couldn't have went Saturday if you were still coaching, but there's, there was another plan. And I think sometimes when you get to get out and people get to see you and, and talk to you, I mean, you, and you carry a lot of weight, not anymore physically, but you carry a lot of weight. When I was going to say, t- look who's talking. <laughs> <laughs> but when you roll into town, man, people, people love you, man. And I think it's cool that you take the time to go to Del Barton, which was probably not on one of your tour stops. Uh, in your career here so far. So it, it's good. I think it's pretty cool that you go out and, and see the people because people well, still I, love you. I, I get irritated when when people say, well, you don't understand West Virginia. I'm like, yo, where did you get that from? Mm-hmm. I was born, born and raised here. Uh, my mom and dad are from here. My grandparents are from here. I, I'm as rooted in West Virginia as anybody is. And to be able to go to Del Barton or to, to, to go to Matewan or to go to, you know, any place. I, I, I talked to Maurice. I mean, I think, I think we would like to do something later on, like maybe in Wells or someplace like that. Um, it's just, it, it's, you, you just, the feeling that you get being around West Virginia people and and being around people who uh, make a living working in the mine, I mean they're just they're they're wonderful wonderful people, and they're just they're 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 so much fun to be around. They're it, it, it's just it, it it's so different. It, it's so different. And I've I've lived in cities before, you know, and 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 people have been nice. It's but it's not it's it's not the warm feeling that you get. By being around uh, the the people in West Virginia, and, and this event was special too because you got to help kids, you got to give away toys. Uh, you talk a, a little bit about your relationship with the youth of West Virginia. Well, I mean, they're our future. They're our future, and I think we should do everything uh, possible to make sure that they have the experience that that they ought to have. I, I grew up in a coal mine. I grew up and my, my dad moved us to Ohio because he could get a, a bigger salary because we had seven kids. And so we moved from West Virginia into Ohio and I grew up in a coal mining town. I grew up in a coal mining town, Midvale, not Midvale, uh, Ohio. And I, I turned the, cut the radio on every morning and I heard every single morning, Midvale mine number nine will work every morning. And then you, and then you you know you're you're laying there or you're getting up to get go get a shower or whatever, and you hear the chains, 
That was back when everybody put the chains on their tires so they could get through the snow. And and um, and then you hear the zzzz, you know, from the from the tires trying to get through the snow. And you know, then you get out and you walk to school and, because everybody everybody did, and everybody expected you to. But it was a great place to grow up. It was a great place to grow up. It was a very athletic community where we played little league baseball. We played bitty basketball. We, I mean, we did everything that you know they they do in in, in other places, and uh, I loved it. But I always wanted to go back to Doug Hill. I grew up in Doug Hill. Y'all don't know where it is. That's suburban Saberton. That's up to Holla. And my my uh, my grandmother uh, started a store so that people in Doug Hill didn't have to try to get into town or someplace to get the food. And and so she she. Uh, turned her porch into a, a store and my grandfather I've, I've 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 shared this with people my grandfather uh I wanted I wanted to play basketball all the time and so my grandfather on the on the uh well it, it ended up being the store he put a hoop up there for me and I'd shoot in the driveway but the driveway was cinders from that's that's what you did back then. At the you know you get the the coal cinders out and you put them on the put them on the. Uh, anyways, it, it went downhill. So if you stood up on the top, it was easy to make shots. If you stood down on the bottom, it was a lot harder. <laughs> yeah. And if you miss one from the top, you're chasing it into the creek. Yeah, it would run down down the driveway, over the road, into the creek, and and so you have to chase the ball down the creek. So my grandfather then, after a while, he put the he put the rim on upside down, and I said, "Pappy, you put the rim on. It's supposed to be turned around this way." He said, "Well, I thought it'd be easier to make if you left it, you know, upside down." And so he he uh, had a little field next to it, and he went out on the field, and he taped took the tape measure, and went up the hill to try to figure out what ten feet was. He was going to take a pole and put it in the side of the hill, mm. which he did. He put it in the side of the hill, and then I was down in the in the field. I could shoot, and and so I say to people, my grandfather invented the tossback <laughs> <laughs> because if I shot it and missed it, it hit the bank and it'd roll Come right back, back to down to me. So uh, I I I I loved living in West Virginia. I I. Uh, I had a great time. I mean, I and I can I can to this day tell you, you know, my my grandfather built a, a cement block house that we were supposed to live in. My mom, my dad, and I. Whenever I came along, and uh, my dad really didn't want to live in that house. He wanted to live where he grew up. So my grandfather and my grandmother moved to the other house. So we had a cinder block house, and then the Dudleys. Frank Dudley was big in the banking business in Morgantown for many many years. He was the next one down. He and my dad were close. He had a hoop on that I used to go down and shoot on. There was a walnut tree, and I would go down. I would go down and shoot. It was in the road uh, across from his house, and then you went down, and there was the Nethans, and then it was the upholes, and then it was the hoses, and then it was the Chittisters, and on and on. I mean, and I to this day know those people, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's just uh, 
it's a great it was a great 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 place to live a great place to grow up uh, it was it was a joy being around my grandparents my mother grew up on a street if you come down from the coliseum take the first left that's a street and if you go up a street and if you take a look on the left as you go up the hill uh you can see where there was a chicken coop if you know what a chicken coop is oh yeah <laughs> there was a chicken coop there was um you could see where the garden was. You 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 could see the where the great grape harbor was, and my grandfather uh, was full blooded Italian. Who, um, <laughs> how do I say it? He uh, he he snuck on the on the boat mm-hmm. and hid on the boat and came over because I asked him. I said, I said, uh, how did you get over here? He said, the boat. I said, so where did you sit in the boat? He said, I hid. Mm-hmm. I said, what do you mean you hid? He said, I didn't have a ticket. Yeah. So he kind of smuggled his way over here. And then we used to go in there all the time and eat groundhogs. Repeat that? Eat groundhog. He loved groundhog. How's the test? <laughs> it, I mean, it's, you know, it's meat. And I and okay. I used to say to him, "Why do you shoot groundhogs?" He said, "Because we only have so many so many bullets." Mm-hmm. And I like, "What are you talking about?" He said, "Well, they're the easiest thing to shoot. All you have to do is whistle. They'll pop up out of the hole, and you shoot them, <laughs> and you skin them, and you you know you you eat them. You, they, they power boiled them." And and uh, I didn't know any better. I you know just ate it. Power boiled. Yeah. So that's that Italian West Virginia cuisine. Got to make do. Groundhog. Well, it just, to me, sometimes, like people will say to me, you don't understand West Virginia. No, you're talking to the wrong guy. Yeah. Yeah. Here on the bonus presentation of Full Court Press brought to you by Little General. I think we're going to wind down, Coach. Uh, another good episode. Appreciate you as always. I appreciate being here, guys. I, I, uh, I'm I, actually starting to enjoy this a little bit, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're starting to put up with you, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs>